Welcome to Soul Path Parenting, the podcast that explores how we set our kids up to live their best lives from the start and how we stay conscious, inspired, and sane while we do it. I'm your host, Amy Breeze Cooper. Hello, and thank you so much for joining us. We are back. It is early August. For those of you who are regular listeners, you know that we were off in July, and we are so happy to be back. This is episode 34, and this is one that I have been actually planning for quite some time. It is about questions, magical questions that can transform our parenting moments. You know, in the first 30-something interviews that we have done as a part of this podcast, there have been a number of realizations, and one of the powerful lessons that I have learned is that in many cases, it's not what we tell our kids that makes the difference, it's what we ask our kids. And so I have compiled the most powerful questions that have been shared with us by our guests over the previous podcast. And I am going to share three of my very favorite questions with you in today's episode. Now, if you want to dive deeper into questions, there are actually a total of nine magical questions that I use day in and day out. Some of them are for our kids and others are for ourselves. And we've compiled those actually into a tool, a free download that you can get on our website at soulpathparenting.com slash questions. I have to say, I'm really excited because this is the first tool that we're offering up. And I am a total, I love sort of the how to put into practice, the how-to aspects of parenting and conscious parenting. And so I'm just delighted that we're able to bring this tool to you. And I hope you'll check it out and uh, put it to use in your own parenting. Now, before we dive into the questions, I have a few updates from our time off in July that I want to share with you. If you're not interested in the updates and you want to skip straight into the questions portion of the show, just skip over to minute 740 and take it from there. So the first thing I'll say is that I'm one of those people who for most of my life was really addicted to the doing and I love checklists and I love having accomplishments and I love being productive. And as I look back over July, um, (laughs) I really kind of wanted to have some big thing to report and I do, but the thing that's most present to me about July and having taken July off from creating new content is just how nice it was to be. And for me, what I notice is that the whispers that I hear um, of, of inspiration of what I believe is often source talking to me, they get louder and I'm able to really tune in to those moments of, of inspiration and guidance. And so I'm listening and I'm kicking off a couple projects behind the scenes and we'll bring those Uh, forward on the podcast when they get a little further along. One of them, I'll tell you, is uh, codenamed 
The Passion Project. And it's actually about decoding human beings and their passions and how that can connect us to our purpose. Totally inspired by the interview with Mark Gober in episode 31 and 32. And uh, if you haven't heard those, I really encourage you to go back and have a listen. And that leads me to my next bit of news, which is in order to pursue those projects, and I kind of have to laugh at myself because if there is one topic that I get really human about and start to slide into my scarcity story, it is time. And so I'm just going to fully admit, you guys, I, I still relate to time as a a finite resource. So as a result, and because look, the reality is we're all stepping into a much bigger role in our kids' education, and none of us knows exactly what that looks like. I am going to start publishing podcast episodes on a less frequent basis. Don't worry, we're not going to ghost you, we're not disappearing, but it may be rather than weekly that you're hearing from us every couple weeks or three weeks. So just be on the lookout for when new episodes drop. Now, the next bit of news is this. In July, I completed my Conscious Parenting Coach Certification through Dr. Shafali's Conscious Parenting Institute. And I was only expecting to just kind of put that knowledge under my belt and continue on with this podcast. But through the experience of learning to coach people on how to consciously parent, I realized that I'm really called to do that as well. So I'm hanging out my shingle, as they say, as a conscious parenting coach with my own practice. And as a part of this podcast, in addition to amazing interviews that we have planned for this sort of quote unquote season, we're going to be bringing an even bigger focus on conscious parenting, what it is, what it looks like in practice, and bringing on other voices from the coaching community to really bring this to life. Because I believe that now more than ever, conscious parenting is really what the world needs. And that brings me to the last point that I wanted to share as we kick this whole thing back off again, which is these are such unprecedented times. The The level of uncertainty that I have about even what life is going to look like the third and fourth week of August is high. And I know you are in the same same place. There is so much that we can't control, and there is so much right around the corner that we can't see. And in some ways, I just have to laugh because it's like this masterclass in the practice of presence. And believe me, I am not a master. I am in the class with you. What we'll be doing on this podcast is bringing on voices that can help us through these times and taking an opportunity to partner together in practice so that we can stay present and grounded through all of this. 
So let's start out with the first of these questions. This one came from episode 14, my interview with Steve Sachs. He's the co-director of the Alia Preschool, which draws on the wisdom of the Buddhist tradition to inspire its approach to early childhood education. And I have to tell you, this has been an absolute game changer in our family. Have a listen, and then I'll share with you the uh, before and after of using this with my kids. At Alia, when something happens where a child has hurt another child, the first thing that we, we ask and expect them to do is to go over to the child who's been hurt, that, that, that they hurt, and say, are you okay? Mm. So there's no shoulds, there's no, I can't believe you did that. You know, The child goes over and says, are you okay? And that gives that child a chance to hear and receive how that other child is feeling. Because I'm completely convinced from my own experience and also my understanding of humans that we don't want to hurt each other. We really don't. And we act out out of out of anger and and. And maybe sometimes we feel like it would make ourselves feel good if we did hurt somebody. But ultimately, I don't think we really want to go there. So the first connection to kindness for them is just to hear Mm -hmm. how the other person is. And so maybe they'll say, I'm fine. Or, you know, maybe there'll be tears running down the child's eyes because they've, they've gotten hurt. And, and so that allows the child in a very non-judgmental way, to see the the effects of their non-kindness, perhaps. And then the second thing that we ask the children to do is to say to the child who's been hurt, um, uh, do, you need, do you need anything? And a lot of times children that are four years old will say, I need an ice pack, even if their feelings are hurt. Right. And that's okay. You know, and so, so then the two children go into the kitchen and then the child who has maybe... Um, did the act of unkindness gives the child who's feeling some sort of pain the ice pack as a way of not just helping the child that's been hurt, but as a way of helping the child who's who has hurt um, reconnect with their own kindness and and feel okay about themselves. Because usually my experience at, at Alia is when a child has hurt another child, they feel bad that they've done that. Right. It's not like they're they're uh, they're reveling in it, or they're thinking that wow, I'm so glad I I hurt a child. They're not at all, and so for them to to be able to uh, do the restorative justice of mm-hmm. of giving back to the child, um, I think makes them feel like wow, I can I can move on from this as well. I have to say that I kind of laugh when I listen back to this now. We first aired this back in February. And as I mentioned, this really changed things in our family. And I'm going to admit something that's a little bit embarrassing. But I, I, as I reflect back on where I learned some of my parenting approaches, I remember that for some reason, I used to regularly tune into Super Nanny. And this is at least 15 years, probably 10 to 15 years before ever actually having kids. So we embraced timeouts back then. And I will say, 
we will talk on another show about why punishments don't work and other approaches um, to use with our kids. But back to this story, we, when our kids, one kid would hurt another, would, of course, run over to intervene in the situation. And the first thing out of our mouth was indeed a question, but it was, what happened? Or something like that. And so then, of course, because we asked what happened, the two kids would proceed to point fingers and place blame. And we would then, sort of being the judge and jury of the situation, make one kid wrong and one kid right and force the kid who was wrong to say, I'm sorry, and give the other kid a hug. Which, as you can imagine, given the state that they were in, uh, sometimes they would comply and do this, and other times they would refuse. And so then, of course, it spirals into a timeout. Yeah, really, really great scenario. And so I had been looking for another way of doing things, and this interview with Steve happened, and we started to change our approach to what he said. And so I'd come over and the first thing out of my mouth would be to role model, are you okay? And their response, of course, was to launch into a whole whole story about who did what and whose fault it was and who hurt whom. And so it did take some time, but now my kids know that I'm not interested in placing blame that we're really focused on how they are in the present. And by focusing on whether they're okay and what they need, we've rewired the situation. And we keep ice packs on the bottom shelf of the freezer so the kids will often grab one for themselves or their siblings. And I will also share with you that the home setting is really different from a school setting. And so this is not 100% in our home. Like maybe for Steve, they they have the kids really on board with this approach. I'm guessing that they do. But when it comes to the dynamics of sibling rivalry, which we'll also get into in another show, there's a lot more complexity going on in the home environment and those relationships. And so there are times where I'm the only one saying, are you okay? And what do you need? Or do you need anything? And the child who's actually hurt the other child doesn't want to shift into compassion. And so I accept that. I, um, I really feel like demanding compliance with this would be counterproductive to the whole sort of energy that it's attempting to create in diffusing the situation. And so I accept where they are. Some of the times they do embrace and ask, are you okay? And other times they're not in that space. And so that just is an opportunity for me to take a step back and look at what the need was that that child had wasn't getting addressed and had them act aggressively. So that's how things go down now in our household. And um, it's really been a game changer. I encourage you to try it. 
So with that, let's move on to the next magical question. And this came from a show that we aired back in January, episode 11, with McCall Berg, who is a parenting coach and the CEO of Spirituality for Kids International. And in that show, we talked about developing social, emotional, and spiritual intelligence. And one of the important ways that we can do that is by letting natural consequences take their course in our children's lives and by allowing them to struggle. And she has a great question for when our kids do face struggles in life. Here's McCall. I think one of the things that, that was something that was very hard for me and probably still hard and I could do a better job, you know, in that is um, to do less for our kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have to do so much less than we do. We have to let them struggle a little bit. And when I said that, I, I mean, you know, we, we, we can't see our kids suffer or struggle too much, but, you know, I know so many parents and that's one thing I didn't do because, uh, but I did it in different ways. For for example, homework or schoolwork or, you know, to make sure they do everything and they get everything, turn everything on time. And so as they come home, they eat dinner and then, okay, homework and you sit with them or you, uh, you know, I always tell parents, and if they are not going to do the homework, what's going to happen? Oh, the teacher is going to give them this, or they're going to hold them in recess, or they're going to give them a bad grade. Is it, okay, and then what's going to happen? Like, you know, there's so much, so many, in so many situations where there are natural consequences that can be so much better than what we're trying to do. Yeah. Let the child not do his homework. Get, you know, on the head from the teacher stay back in recess, who knows what, whatever the school has <laughs> like in place for that process, and then see what happens. But instead of creating a dynamic where we keep chasing our kids to do, it, it, we're enabling them in a way. Or if, let's say there's a situation that between one child and a friend, right? So, you know, our first reaction is to go and either kill the other child or <laughs> talk to the parents <laughs> or right, fix it right away. How, how dare it makes my, my child feel sad or, or insecure or unhappy. But we can so- support in a way where we are not enabling them and not taking away that opportunity to, to overcome and to deal with something. We're right. too fast to act and we're too fast to fix and, and, and make it better for them because it's so painful for us to see them in pain. Right. Yeah, that's actually something I've been practicing is just sitting in the pain with my kids because through this show, actually, I've been learning mm-hmm. how important it is to let kids feel their emotions and move through them without being told or sort of prompted to to stop crying or whatnot. And um, I think it's a really... It's it's hard <laughs> to watch your kids be in pain or, you know, even just emotional pain. And yet I think it's the thing to do. And it just is requiring me to create a greater practice around presence and right. just letting it be. And there's a few good questions you can ask. Um, you know, like one thing is, you know, first of all, I understand how you feel, no matter, no matter how dramatic or not, you know, and overreacting the, ch- the child is. And the second thing is, what would you like to do about it? Mm-hmm. A very simple question. What do you want to do about it? Right. 
because it happened to me so many times where my, let's say my daughter shared something with me and, and dramatic and drama and everything. And I'm like, oh, I'm so, it's crazy. I'm so sorry. I fear. Okay. Let, maybe you should do this, this and that. Right. Right. Yeah. Like we're older and wiser. So we're going to sort of insert our opinions. Right. And so many times she's like, I don't want to do that. And I don't need to do that. I, I already took care. Like many, many times, more often than, than others, they just want us to listen. Yeah. They don't even looking for a solution. That's one. And the second thing, if they are looking for a solution, you want them to find the solutions in themselves. Right. So we become, we step into the role of coach versus the one creating the solution for them. Exactly. So being a coach means it's, it's those open-ended questions. What do you want to do about it? What can you do differently next time? Right? How does that make you feel? It's, it's all about putting it back at them for them to think, for them to, to feel, for them to contemplate. And, and, you know, sometimes they have better solutions than we do. I just love that question. What do you want to do about it? And McCall has shared her experience using this with teenagers and older kids. But I also can tell you that I've tried using this with my younger kids. My youngest is three and they are amazingly creative, creative problem solvers from the youngest age. So when we face sort of day-to-day dilemmas and challenges and struggles, uh, even with our youngest kids, I ask them what they want to do about it. And they come up with delightfully creative solutions that frankly, I wouldn't have thought of. So try it out and see how things go with your kids. And now for the last question that we're going to cover in this episode. And this is one of my favorite questions that we parents can ask ourselves. This comes from episode 26, which was our conversation with Bob Tipton, who is a change architect that we ran in April as we were trying to make sense of the massive change that had been sort of thrust upon us as stay-at-home orders were in place. And it occurs to me that we're about to embark on another phase of this journey where there is so much change coming and so much uncertainty with, uh, especially for parents, with the school year being so up in the air. And so I'm bringing back this clip of our interview because I thought what he had to say was so very powerful. One of the opportunities that we have right now is to, to be the parent our kids need us to be as opposed to being the parent we think we should be. And I think where that starts for a lot of us is is a place of forgiveness in, as individuals, forgive ourselves for these biases and attachments and and beliefs in the way that the world should work. Forgive yourself for being stuck. And then start looking at it in a different way and saying, you know what, my, my kids and I have an opportunity to learn something that's a once in a, I, I don't know, once in a species opportunity. I don't know the last time the entire earth has been shut down at the same time. And if you go back to the Spanish flu or the black plague, even the whole world was much of the world was oblivious to what was going on. But right now we are shut down and paralyzed as an entire species. So what are we learning? So anyway, not to put too much pressure on parents because that's not helpful either. 
But how do you want your kids to experience you today? Overwhelmed, frustrated, or open and and uh, and and eager. So to have a moment with yourself, that's something I do every day. Have a moment with myself or recontextualize and say, what can I do today? As opposed to what can't I do? I guess I keep coming back to this. What is possible versus what is not possible? Bob teed up a few different questions in that segment. And the one that I really want to reiterate is how do I want my kids to experience me today? And it's something that we could ask ourselves as we get ready in the morning. But I'll tell you the way that this shows up in my life is when I start to feel myself, my energy sort of starting to shift into a place of overwhelm or stress, that's when this question comes into my mind. And so I just use it to check in with myself and take a pause and and really be aware. What is the energy that I'm bringing to this moment? Because our kids are so tuned in to our energy that they're picking up all of that. And so when I realize that I'm sort of shifting into this sort of spinning energy, I take a moment and I recenter myself. I just take a breath and I remind myself, I want my kids, as Bob said, to experience me as open, to experience me as ready to learn, to experience me as kind of present in the moment versus worried about the future. So that's how this shows up for me. And I hope you find it useful in your life. So that's our show for today. I hope you'll find these questions are as helpful in your parenting as I have. Just to remind you, the questions were, are you okay? Do you need anything? Which you can use when one kid hurts another, could be physically or feelings. Then when they face struggles, we can take a a coaching approach and ask them, what do you want to do about it? And then when we face struggles, we can ask ourselves, how do I want my kids to experience me today? If you'd like all nine questions, as I mentioned, head on over to our website. You can get the free download at soulpathparenting.com slash questions. If you like what you've been hearing, please rate and review the podcast so other people can find us. And with that, I will wish you a wonderful week until we talk again.